Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. How are y'all today? Happy Mother's Day to y'all. The hardest job in all the world is being a mama. The most rewarding job in all the world is being a mama. And so if today is your day, we just want to just celebrate you. We want to honor you. And our prayer is that you walk out of here feeling honored and loved and cherished and appreciated because I don't care how great of a family that we all have. Mamas, you can never tell a mama thank you enough. And so we just want to say thank you today. So can we give another hand clap to all of our mamas here in the room? Well, hold on. I threw all my cough drops. Okay, I've got this allergy thing going on. Thank you, Victor. I'm going to call him back in a minute. But um, I've got this allergy thing going on, so y'all bear with me. We're going to roll today. And uh, Nick and Rachel, Pastor Nick and Rachel, asked me a couple of months ago to uh, if I would come back and do come back. Okay, like we're here every few weeks. But anyway, if I would come back and do uh, this Mother's Day message. So it's an honor to speak to you guys today. It's good to see y'all. And, uh, and even just coming out of worship today, just really felt like, okay, I, I felt confident this was what I was, should speak to you guys today. And then after worship, we just went, okay, God almost just kind of winked and said, you heard right. And there's, there's some, I'm, I'm titling this message today, everything is going to be okay. Everything really is going to be okay. And, and there's, such a, there's such a cloud of discouragement over our world and our culture today. Have y'all, have, do y'all feel that? There's just this discouragement that just kind of hangs and, and you're trying to get out of this long, long season that we've all been in with COVID and all the craziness and you're trying to get out of this season, but yet you're not quite out of it yet and you're wanting to get back to normal, but you're not quite back to normal. And then all the things that are going on in our culture and going on in our world, it's just like, it's like everywhere we turn, there's this discouragement and today, my prayer is that I can bring you some great encouragement, some great encouragement and some great perspective. Um, several weeks ago, when Pastor Nick and Rachel, actually a couple months ago, when they asked me if I would come and do Mother's Day, just, I just started praying and just going, God, what do you want, to sh- you know, what do you want me to share with your people? What do you want me to, to, to share? And I felt early one morning, very early in the morning. How many of y'all in here are early risers? Let's just take a little poll. Good. How many of y'all, your early risers, if the sun, if the, if the sun has broken, not even all the way up, but if the daybreak happens and you're still sleeping, you feel like you've slept in late. Let me see. Okay. I'm with y'all. Both hands. Okay. Okay. How many of y'all are night owls? Okay. I'm not raising my hand. Night owls. How many of y'all come alive when the sun goes down? Okay, good for y'all. Happy for y'all. I'm married to one. We are exactly the opposite. I have no brain cells after 7 p.m. And I'm not even kidding. If my kids or anybody calls after 7, they'll just say, you know what, mom, we'll just talk to you tomorrow. I can't even carry on a conversation after 7. But when you're up at 5 in the morning, by 7 o'clock at night, you're starting to wind down. Is that true, early risers? Yes. So it was, it was one of those early mornings that I was up and and it was still just pitch black outside. And I just said, God, what, what do you want me to share today? Because I was just thinking, and Eugene and I have talked just over these last many months, just the discouragement that just we just feel in people and feel in hearts. And, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just, just download, just download this in my mind and my heart. And just say, I want you to tell them that everything is going to be okay. That it's going to be okay. And then I just started getting this download. Just I felt like really from the Holy Spirit. Just some things that I've seen over this season. Some things that I've heard God say. And so that's just what I want to share with you today. If that's okay. Um, You've heard me. If you've been around here. Especially at the Opelousas campus very long at all. You've heard me say this. I read this. I read this statement years and years ago. And I've repeated it a million times. Because it's so true. And it, and it said this, it says, daughters ask questions, 
Mothers give answers and grandmothers give perspective. Daughters ask questions, mothers give answers, and grandmothers give perspective. And it's so, so very true. And and again, I'm going to speak to the mothers today, but I'm going to speak to everybody else in the room as well. This is not just a Mother's Day message. And hopefully and prayerfully, we're all walking out of here encouraged. But daughters or children ask questions. If you're a parent in here, especially if you're a mama in here, your children ask questions all the time. Is that true? What about this? Why do the birds fly? How come the sky is blue? How come it rains? What causes the rain? Questions, 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 questions. Because they're children and they're supposed to ask questions. And then as mamas or as parents, we do our best to give those answers, don't we? And we give the answers. And if we don't know the answer, sometimes we make up an answer just to get them quiet to go, okay, I can't keep answering these questions. And especially if you're a mama in here, you're going, I have answered questions from the time I've woken up to the time I've gone to bed and I'm making them up at this point. We're just going to make up some answers. And then if you've graduated to the season of being a grandparent and in particularly a grandmother, your job now is to give perspective. And you've heard Eugene say this, and, and, and our role as time has gone by, we're finding ourselves giving more and more perspective in life than we're even giving answers. I find myself as a, as a grandmother figure, though I don't see myself that way, but anyway, I find myself in that stage of life to where I'm, I'm continuously giving perspective over and over and over again because grandmothers give perspective. And if you're a grandmother in here, you're going to know what I'm talking about because grandmothers tell you it's going to be okay. Grandmothers tell you what you're so worried about really isn't a big deal because in the scheme of life, it, it doesn't really matter. Do you have grandmothers in your life that's, that's done that? I remember when um, our kids were little, they're obviously all grown now, but when they were little, Hannah, our second daughter, was in elementary school, and we were, I had picked them up from school, and we were driving home, and, and all the kids were telling me about their day, and all the stuff, and homework, and the activities we got to do, and all the stuff, and y'all know how that goes. And Hannah tends to be a little bit loud. Her, her, her volume can be loud. I don't know where she gets that from, but she can be kind of, kind of volume, high volume. And so in the middle of a conversation or hearing all the kids talking about their day, Hannah just blurts out, mom, mom, and scared me to death. I'm trying to drive. I'm trying to get them home. Hannah, what? Mom, why is America in so much debt? I said, what? Mom, And she's dead serious. Why is America in so much debt? I said, Hannah, for crying out loud, I'm trying to figure out what we're having for supper tonight. I don't know why America's in the debt, okay? I don't know. Well, mom, we learned in school today and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then she goes, and she was adamant about knowing why America was in debt. The questions that the kids ask. But then the perspective that the grandparents bring my mother-in-law, she's not in this service. She'll be in next service. And y'all know her as Mamaw. And Mamaw was, is still just the epitome of the grandmother that brings perspective. Because it, when I, both of our girls, uh, the two of our, Hillary and Hannah, they're 20 months apart. And so when Hillary was 18 months old, I'm going to embarrass all my kids today. So that's, that's, the, that's the, the whole goal of today. So when, um, when Hillary was 18 months old, I was just a few weeks away from having Hannah. And so I decided I had this bright idea that I was going to potty train Hillary at 18 months old so that we didn't have two children in diapers. The money was tight and I was going to get her out of diapers before we had the next baby and she was going to be done with it. So I'm trying to potty train an 18 month old and there may be some exceptions and you may have done it. And if you do come shake my hand in the, in the foyer and more power to you. But for the most part, an 18 month old usually doesn't get potty trained that early. So I'm trying to potty train her and Mamma is coming along and going, Heidi, Why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you killing yourself over this? Why are you doing this to that child? Why are you doing it to you? That baby is not going to go to kindergarten and still be in diapers, so don't worry about it. 
And finally, I started listening to her, and I go, you know what, Mama, you're totally right. Okay, I was killing everybody, killing Hillary, killing myself, killing the whole family. Go, you know what, so what? God's our provider. We'll have diapers. Put the diaper back on her. Forget the potty training. Because grandmother said it's not that big of a deal. So then William comes along, and I still listen to her advice. William was almost in kindergarten before I potty trained him. (laughs) Was almost because it just didn't even matter. The perspective of going, you know what, okay, as long as he's potty trained by kindergarten, I'm going to count it as a victory. (laughs) It's about perspective. It's all about perspective. And again, the longer that I've lived and the longer I've been in ministry, the more I find my role in giving perspective. So today, my prayer is that I'm going to give you some perspective. Let Let me give you a definition of perspective. This is what the word perspective means. It means a way of looking at or thinking about something, a point of view. A way of looking at or thinking about something, simply a point of view. So a perspective is just the point of view from where we see it. And so today, I'm going to give you my point of view from where I see some things. And I liken this, and you've heard us say this many times as well. I liken perspective to like when you're at an LSU football game. And you're sitting up in the bleachers. And if you've been to an LSU football game, if you've been to a high school football game, there, there's different perspectives that, that, of different points of view that you have for that ball game. Now, if you're on the playing field and you're playing on the field, you only have one certain perspective because you're on the field and you see everything at eye level. If you're on the sidelines and you're the coaches and you're, being, and you're coaching that team, you have a different perspective because you're not out there playing, but you're on the sidelines and you're giving that perspective from the sidelines. But there's a whole different perspective if you're up in the bleachers and you're up in the coach's box or you're up in the press box because the higher you sit in the bleachers or the higher you up are in those boxes, the greater your perspective because you can see the end of each uh, uh, end zone. You can see the play that's being played. You can radio down to what's happening because the higher up you are, the broader your perspective is or the broader your point of view is. Is that true? And so for those of you, even in this room, that are older in life and more seasoned in life, and when the world would try to tell you that you have no more purpose in life, that's absolutely a lie of the enemy because all that getting older is means that you get to sit higher up in the bleachers and you get to see the perspective from beginning to end and you're able to tell a generation that everything really is going to be okay. Because you've lived long enough and you see far enough and you look back and you see the faithfulness of God enough to go no matter what you're going through and no matter what you're facing and no matter what the craziness of this world is, everything is going to be okay because from where I sit, God has been faithful here and here and here and here and he's been faithful here and here and here and here and there has never been a time that we've walked through that God hasn't been with us and every Everything really is going to be okay. So I want you to take a deep breath with me this morning. Take a deep breath. And I want you to say this with me. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. Whatever you're feeling today, whatever is worrying you, whatever anxiety you may be feeling, whatever you may be fearful of, I want to tell you, from my point of view, everything is going to be okay. I'm not saying that your problems are going to go away. I'm not saying that all the problems in the world are going to disappear, because that's not true. In fact, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. You've heard Pastor Eugene say this. You've heard Pastor uh, Nick say this. The world that we live in is probably going to get darker before it gets lighter. The world that we live in is probably the problems are probably going to get worse before it gets better. In fact, Jesus even says this in John chapter 16. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So if you're a Christian... And if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, 
And if he really is the master and the boss and the leader of your life, everything is going to be okay. Doesn't mean that you're not going to face problems and doesn't mean that the world's not going to go crazy. Doesn't mean that you're never going to have any issues ever again and you're never going to wrestle with fear and you're never going to wrestle with anxiety. That's not what it means. It simply means that Jesus is with us and whatever we're walking through, he's going to use it for his good and for his glory. And he's going to use our lives as a testimony and a witness of what a real Christian looks like. So let me, I'm going to do this quickly. I'm going to give you five things today, just some perspective. From my point of view, what I've seen and what I've heard God say in this most unusual season. Again, I just want to pour, encouragement means just to pour courage back into you. So if we live in a culture right now that's so discouraged, what could God do with a group of people? that walk out of here so encouraged, speaking life and hope and encouragement to the people in your world. Number one is this, this is my perspective, what I've seen and what I've heard God say. Number one is this, God's peace is perfect. God's peace is perfect. Isaiah chapter 26, verses three and four says this, it says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. His word says that he's going to keep us in perfect peace, those of us whose minds are steadfast on him. What does that mean? Our hearts can be full of peace only when our minds are full of trust. Our hearts can be full of peace only if our minds are full of trust. So if your heart is not full of peace today, go back and go, is my mind full of trust? Because the word of God says, I will keep you in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast on you. You cannot have a tormented mind. You cannot listen to the lies of the enemy. You cannot let the lies of this world come into your mind and expect your heart to be full of peace. It does not happen. If you need peace, you need trust to be in your mind. To go, God, I trust you. When I can't see the next step ahead of me, God, I trust you. When I cannot see what this dark world is going to turn out to be, God, I trust you. God, when I don't know when the answer's coming, God, I trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to make a decision that my mind is going to be full of trust so my heart can be full of peace. God's peace is perfect. In a crazy world. God's peace is perfect. So my question to you today is who or what is robbing you of your peace? Who or what is robbing you of your peace? Eugene told me, Eugene said this to me years ago, years ago. He said, I was having, there was some drama in the family. Anybody know about that? You don't even have to raise your hand. Just give me the wink and I'll know. There was some drama going on in extended family. And every time I turned around, there was more drama. And there was more drama. And every time I turned around, I'm trying to be, they're trying to pull me into the drama. And then sometimes I jump into the drama. And then sometimes I belly flop into the drama and go, okay, drama. And one day Eugene comes in and he says this. He said, Heidi, I refuse to let family members that live two states away rob the peace of God in our home. I refuse to let it happen. So whatever you've got to say or do and whatever you've got to tell them to do, whatever, this peace that's out of our house, God's peace is coming back and you've got to do something to end this because I'm not putting up with it anymore. And he was right. He was totally right. I was allowing other human beings to rob God's peace in my life. And as a mama, and you know as women, and as a mama, you set the temperature for your, old home, your entire home. So when I'm turned upside down and I'm not full of peace, neither is the rest of my family. And they were all being affected by it. 
Who are you allowing to rob the peace in your life? What are you allowing everywhere we turn, whether it's TV, news, radio, social media, the workplace, school, whatever, your neighbors, all that you're hearing is fear. Fear is being poured into you, not peace. No one's on the TV going, it's everything's going to be okay. When your hearts are full of peace, then your mind can be full of trust. And I'm just going to tell you, America, everything is going to be great. Nobody is telling you that. They're telling you the exact opposite. Everywhere we turn, fear is being poured into us. But God's word says that his peace is perfect if our minds are full of trust in him. There's a lot of things that we cannot control in this world. There's a lot of things that we cannot control in this world. But you and I can absolutely control what comes into our hearts, what comes into our minds, what comes into our families, and what comes into our homes. And we concern ourselves and waste so much time in trying to to control things that we cannot control instead of taking care of the things that we can control. The things that we cannot control, we're going to say, God, I trust you. The things that we can control going, I'm going to choose peace over fear. I'm going to choose faith over fear. I'm going to choose God's peace over fear. And I am not going to let the world and the people in this world rob me of the peace of God that's promised to me. God's peace is perfect. And let me say this before I move on. How many of you in here, parents or even grandparents, are fearful for your children and the world they're having to grow up in. It's a scary place out there. And some of you parents, and even grandparents, and I I'm almost feel like I'm saying this almost prophetically, that you've been so concerned about your children and about your grandchildren and what's going to happen to them and what, how are they going to be affected? And how are they going to grow up in the broken, crazy, wicked, ungodly world that we live in? And that's, that's a legitimate concern. But there's a verse that I want to read you. It's Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And I'm going to read it to you in two different translations. And it says this, from one man, he, God, made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. He determined the times set forth for them and the exact places where they should live. Another translation says it this way, from one man, Adam, God made every man and woman and every race of humanity. And he spread us over all the earth. He set boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. Let me encourage you, parents. Let me encourage you, mamas. Let me encourage you, grandparents. God appointed before the foundations of this world that your children be alive at this very moment. Before the foundations of the world, God predetermined that they would be alive in 2021 in the crazy world that we live in. And if he appointed your children to be born and to live in this time, it means that he has given them what they need to overcome the craziness that's out there. He has given them what they need to live in this moment of history. So parents... And grandparents, begin speaking faith over your children, not fear. Begin to tell them, you have what it takes to overcome everything you're going to face in this world. God's going to use you as a lamp in a dark world. God's put a gift of faith in you. God's put a gift and an anointing of love and hope and encouragement that your words are going to speak life to your classmates. Your words are going to speak life to the people around your life. Stop putting your fears on your children. Speak faith over them. They were appointed to be alive at this very moment. 
And if God appointed them to be living in this moment at the age that they are, don't you know the great God we serve is going to give them everything they need to accomplish his purpose and his plan in their life. God's peace is perfect. Don't let fear overtake you and do not let fear creep into your children because your fear is overflowing to them. Speak faith over them. Speak hope over them. God put them here to change the world and you have the privilege of watching it happen before your very eyes. God's peace is perfect. Again, I'm just giving you a perspective. I'm just sitting up higher in the bleachers. Number two is this. God's house is vital. God's house is vital. And I'm talking about the church of the living God. How many of you were happy and glad when you walked into church today? How many of you woke up this morning and said, I cannot wait until I get into the house of God? How many of you walk through these doors expecting, I cannot wait to be in the presence of God. I cannot wait to hear the voice of God. I cannot wait for God's presence to come. How many of you walk through here with that expectancy? There's a verse in Psalms chapter 122 and it says this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I think we've lost our gladness. I think we've lost our joy. I think we've lost our happiness. It is a privilege to walk into the house of God. And now we've lived in a lifetime that we've never seen it before when church doors were shut down for six months and we could not go into the house of the Lord. I understand the church of God is wherever we are. It's not a building. I understand that. But there are facilities and places that God's blessed us with, like this very building. That we are to gather together and to lift his name up. There's a verse in Psalm 73 that says this. It's so, so good. I'm going to read verse 17, but the first 16 verses of this uh, Psalm 73 talks about the wickedness and the culture of their day. It talks about the wickedness and the evil, the unrest, the fear. The world in that time was in total turmoil. If you go back and read verses 1 through 16. And then you hit verse 17 and it says this. But then one day I was brought into the sanctuaries of God, the house of God. And in the light of his glory, my distorted perspective vanished. You want to get your perspective clear? You want to get clear perspective of where we're at and what God is doing and what he's saying? Get to the house of God. You come in and prayerfully when you walk in, you may have one perspective, but prayerfully when you walk out, you have a totally different perspective going, God really is with us. God is working that we walk in in one way, we walk out another way because the house of God clears our perspective. Is coming to church an option for you or your family or is it an essential? That we live in such a time to go, you know what? We can't wait till we get to church on Sunday because I know I'm going to be filled up and encouraged and walk out and have everything I need for the week that's ahead of me. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, Hebrews 10, it says, this is not the time to pull away and to neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently next Sunday night, (laughs) eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that dawn, that day dawning. Church, if we've ever, ever needed to gather together as spiritual family, it's now. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. I know that. But there's people that aren't here that you hear it from that you need to also let them know God's house is vital in the time and day that we live. We have got to come together and worship him and gain strength and go out and be equipped for all that's ahead of us. Amen. Number three is this. Again, perspective. Number three, God's ways are better than ours. 
God's ways are better than ours. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says this, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're walking back out these doors to face, God's ways are better than ours. That he's working behind the scenes in your life in a way that you have no idea that he's working. Pastor Tim Delina, many of you know him, a pastor that was with us for several years. He's in uh, Times Square Church now, but he, he did this whole message, and I'm certainly not going to re-preach the message. But he said this, we have no idea of the 10,000 things that God's working behind the scenes on our behalf. That we lose heart when our prayers aren't getting answered. We lose heart when we don't see changes in people's lives that we've prayed for. We lose heart when we don't see changes in our community or our nation like we see and we lose heart. But we forget that God's ways are better than our ways. And His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And He's working in 10,000 different ways to orchestrate and to move and to bring miracles and to operate and to strategize and to do all the things He's doing behind the scenes to come to the place where the prayer finally is answered. That you walk out of here to knowing that God's ways are better than ours. We only see from our limited perspective, but God sees from a perspective that he knows the beginning and the end. He knows everywhere in between and he's working on your behalf. Number four is this. Number four, God's throne is secure. God's throne is secure. In this crazy world, God is still in control. He is still in control. Isaiah 66, 1. Heaven is my throne. This is the Lord speaking. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. I want you to picture that for a moment. Heaven is my, home, my throne and the earth, the entire earth is the footstool of God. Psalms 82, uh, Psalms 82 verse 1 says this, All rise, for now God comes to judge as he convenes in heaven's courtroom. He judges every judge and rules over every ruler. And then in verse 8 it says this, All rise, for God now takes his place as judge over all the earth. God is secure on his throne. He is not shaking and panicking and breaking into a cold sweat and going, oh my heavens, the world is going crazy. What in the world am I going to do? This is taking me by surprise. I don't know what's going to happen. God's throne is secure. If you've watched a TV program and you watch those courtroom dramas or whatever, Judge Judy back in the day. And you will have heard the clerk, when it, when, when it comes to session, the clerk comes in and goes, all rise, the honorable Judge Judy. And then here comes little Mighty Mouse, and she comes in, and then she sits on her place. Can you imagine the day that's coming when all of heaven will announce, all rise, all rise that God will take his place as judge over the entire world. I picture it as this. God is in heaven, is his throne, and he's sitting on his throne. And there coming a day where he puts his hands on the arms and his head goes down and he finally stands up and goes, now I will judge the earth. That his throne is secure. Psalms 93 says this, as God sits securely on his throne, he is in charge of it all, the entire world, and he knows what he is doing. God's throne is secure. A politician's not going to knock him off. A COVID pandemic is not going to knock him off. Unrest is not going to knock him off. His throne is secure. All rise. God is coming and one day will judge the earth. We don't have to worry about whether he's forgotten about us. We don't have to worry about whether this thing is going upside down. We don't have to worry about 
God's throne is secure. And that's not only true in the world that we live, but it's in the world that you live as well. In your own personal world, God is still on the throne. He's still in control. You haven't thrown him off. He's not panicking and worrying because everything really is going to be okay. And as I close, number five is this, and Victor can come back. Number five is this. This is what I know that I know that I know. God's presence is coming. God's presence is coming. There's coming a great awakening, a revival, an outpouring of God's presence unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes. We've prayed for it our entire life. If you've been in the church world, you will have prayed God's sin. Do we feel the presence of God? Yes, we do. Do we feel it today in worship? Of course we do. But there is a revival presence that's coming unlike anything we've ever seen. If you go back and you study the history of revivals, and I'm certainly not an expert, but if you go back and you study the history of revivals, God's presence was always poured out as the world and the culture was going crazy. It wasn't in times of peace. It wasn't in times of great, wonderful things happening. It was when the, it felt like the whole world was turned upside down. And in those historic revivals, that's when God's presence came. Because people's hearts are more open now than ever before. And as uncertain as it is out there, as dark as it is out there, as crazy as it's out there, you know this. You know this in your family. You know this in your workplace and with your neighbors. People's hearts are more open than ever before. They're going, what's going on? Something's happening. Are we going to be okay? What's the next thing that's fixing to happen? People are so fearful and so uncertain. And as their hearts are open and their hearts are hungry and they're looking to God to help them, His presence is going to be poured out. An example of this, if those of you who were alive and, and, and remember this in the 1970s, the Jesus movement. I was, just, I, was a, I was alive, but I was a little girl, so I don't remember it vividly. But by all accounts, the Jesus movement was a time in this country that God came and just poured His Spirit out. Well-known evangelists, Pastor Jacob being one, and pastors and leaders of this country and in our nation even now got saved during those times. But it came on the heels of the 1960s, which was a horrific, horrible time of civil unrest and horrific time in our nation. Much like what we're seeing today. And on the heels of that came a sweeping move of God that's been felt for decades and decades afterwards. We are set up. God is setting us up for such a time this very moment. Don't lose heart, church. Do not lose heart. There is a God who is sitting on His throne and He is waiting and He is watching. And there's coming a day when the heavens are going to open and His presence is going to come and the people that you have prayed for your entire life are going to turn and run to Him. God's presence is coming. Joel chapter 2, and you know this verse. I will pour out my, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions even on servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days. Are you praying for revival, church? Are you praying for an outpouring of God's presence? Are you praying that God would come and pour His presence out in our nation like nothing we've ever seen before? Because you and I both know God is the only answer to this mess. Are you crying out to Him? Are you praying? Are you beseeching God to send revival? Send your presence, God. It's the only thing that's going to make this craziness right. And as I close today, I'm going to leave you with this story. I'm going to pray for you. About two years ago, it was before COVID happened. About two years ago, 
my two girls and their very best friend, Elizabeth, who's fixing to be daughter-in-law, so all, the three girls is what I call them, the three sisters, Hillary, Hannah, and Elizabeth, they had a trip scheduled. They just wanted to go on a little vacation, and they scheduled a trip to go to New York City. Well, I heard about the trip and invited myself, and they were gracious enough to let me go. <laughs> I totally invited myself. I, did, I mean, like, they didn't even ask me. But I was like, like, hey, like, hey, I've never been to New York before. Like, hey, what would you think about it if the mama came with you? I mean, what are they going to say? And they knew that mama would pick up a meal here or there. So they were happy for mama to come along. So I invited myself and they were very gracious and they allowed me to come. And again, I'd never been to New York City before. I don't know really what all the hubbub's about. I'm just as fine in Opelousa as any day of the week. But one of the things we did when we were in New York City, we went to the 9-11 Memorial. And the 9-11, uh, the September 11, 2001, we're fixing to uh, celebrate. I don't even know if you celebrate or you honor. It's nothing to celebrate. We honor and recognize a 20-year anniversary. Can you believe that? This coming September is going to be 20 years. And so we went to this memorial. <clears throat> I don't know if y'all have been there. If you haven't been, you need to go if you're ever in New York. And we went to the 9-11 memorial. And it just brought, the kids were young at that time. And they had some memory of it. But I very vividly remember we had just moved from Texas to Louisiana. And I remember the horror of that day. I remember where I was at, just as you do. And so as you go through this museum, it just brings it all back. And you remember, and you get mad, and then you get sad, and you are heartbroken, and then you get angry again. And through each display, and there's the firefighters' uh, uniforms that they have, and then there's, the, there's recordings that are there, and there's new, the, the, the new pieces of the newscast that they have blurbs on when people are trying to locate family members. I mean, it was, it was horrific so honoring but so hard to walk through one one of the displays was the big one of the beams one of the huge metal beams that was just crushed by one of the airplanes they had one of the beams there you heard the personal stories of the people that lived there who had family members in those twin towers i mean it was emotional and you're trying wiping tears away again you, your emotions go from just being furious to being heartbroken to being just back and forth and back and forth but one of the very last displays that they had in the museum before you leave it was one of a radio dispatch from a U.S. astronaut who was in space and had a video recording that they took immediately following the collapse of both of the, uh, the World Trade Centers, both of the towers. And it had this, this uh, you know, this Google kind of video thing showing the whole planet and then you just see this poof of smoke. And at that very last display, there was a video recording of this astronaut that they were playing over and over and over. That we just stood there and we listened. And it was so impactful. As soon as we got done, I ran outside and got my phone and just started typing it because I knew there was a spiritual significance to what I was hearing. And this is what the astronaut said. And I quote, this is immediate. This is moments after both of the towers of the World Trade Center collapsed. Moments after. You remember seeing on TV the dust and the smoke and the people crying and running. It was like the end of the world was happening. And this is what the astronaut from space radioed back in to earth saying, and I quote, Our thoughts and prayers are with you and the people who have been killed. But I want you to know America still looks great from space. 
and to the citizens of New York City, I know that all you see is destruction. But from where I sit, you are a city that still looks great from up here. You will recover, you will come back, and you'll come back better than ever before. America, New York City, we stand with you. And as soon as I heard that recording, my mind immediately went to Hebrews chapter 12. When God's word says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith. Who is that huge crowd of witnesses the Bible talks about? It's the Bible characters that we read of and study in the Bible every single day that are in heaven now. It's your family members and my family members who were Christians and knew God, who have gone before us and they are now in heaven. It's the host of, of angels, the legion of angels that occupy all of heaven. That's the cloud of witnesses that surround us, that surround God in his throne in heaven and the earth is his footstool. That is the scene in heaven. And I can imagine them looking down over the balcony of heaven and looking on us and saying something like this. I know it looks bad from your point of view. And I know it looks like your country and your culture and maybe even your life. I know it may look like destruction now. But from up here, from up here in our perspective, from up here in heaven's perspective, from up here in heaven's point of view, you still look great. You will come back. You will recover. God is still working. His presence and revival is still coming. And you're going to come back better than ever before because everything is really going to be okay. All of heaven, all of heaven, all of heaven. I know it may look bad right now. I know your situation may not be ideal right now. I may know it may look dark right now. But from heaven's perspective, you're going to be okay. God is working on your behalf and you're going to come back better than ever before because everything really is going to be okay. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come this morning, God. You know the people that are here you know, the mamas, the grandmamas, you know, the parents, the grandparents, the children that have walked into this room and walked into your house today discouraged, wondering what tomorrow holds, wondering what the world's going to look like for their children, wondering if the craziness is ever going to end. And Father, I pray today that your peace, that your word says is perfect that you'll flood over your people, God, with a supernatural peace today unlike anything they've ever known. Father, I pray you would pour courage into them, that they serve a God who sits securely on his throne. They serve a God who's working in ways that they have no idea what he's doing, but he's working on their behalf. Father, I pray you would come and you would fill up your people with faith, such a great faith, God, that would overcome any fear that tries to come and overtake them. Bring your faith today. Raise up a group of people in this room. 
raise up an army in this church, God, that's so encouraged and so hopeful and so secure in who God is, that as they leave this room today, they can pour courage and pour peace and pour hope and pour encouragement into the people that are in their worlds. Father, I pray this over them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, y'all give it up for Miss Heidi Reisner one more time. Y'all just give me just about three or four minutes. We can shut the doors in the back. About three or four minutes as we close. Everything is going to be okay. That perspective is only true for one group of people. In Revelation chapter 11, John the Revelator tells us that there's two kingdoms that we can be a part of. He says there's the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world is, is what we see when we turn on the news. It's, it's pain, it's darkness, it's distress, it's dysfunction. He says there's the kingdom of this world and he says there's the kingdom of God. The reality is you can only be a citizen of one of them. Whatever one you're a citizen of is the one that you see life through. If all you see is the distress and the darkness and the dysfunction, you may not be a citizen of the kingdom of God yet. But when you hear Ms. Heidi's message and she says that there's a God that gives us peace and he gives us his presence and we can see things his way, that's seeing things through the kingdom of God. Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So to get that perspective, you have to be a citizen of that kingdom. My question today as we close is, what kingdom are you a part of? John 3, 3, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Jesus said, verily I say to you, you must be born again. How do we do that? It's simply from turning from our sins, putting our faith in Jesus through repentance. Would you bow your head with me? I believe many are going to see that kingdom today. How do you do it? You just, A, admit. Admit that you've been part of the wrong kingdom, that you're a sinner, that you've fallen short. Every person in this place, we've all fallen short. B, you simply believe. Believe what? That Christ alone became the sin bearer for you and your sins. And on the cross at Calvary, he took your sin, your shame, your guilt, and he died for it. And see, you confess him. Today, with nobody looking at me, I want to pray a prayer with you right where you are. And you say, Pastor Nick, that's me. I want to enter the kingdom of God. I want to see the kingdom of God. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Would you just slip up your hand just so I know who I'm praying with today? Just slip it up really, really high and you can put it right back. Thank you. All over the balcony. Yes, I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This morning, I'm going to pray with dozens of people that raised their hand this morning. We're not going to pray alone. We're going to join our faith with yours. Church, can we all pray this together with the dozens that raised their hand today? Will you say this with me? Dear Lord Jesus, this morning, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. I repent of my sins. I turn away and I declare that you are my God. You are my Savior. I want to enter your kingdom. I want to see your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give a big hand clap for all those that prayed that prayer today.